I'm envisioning like for this, it's gonna mm -hmm. be a sick intro. We'll be talking, mm -hmm. and then boom, intro, just like your highlights of you doing your faces on YouTube. Yeah. My highlights of me being a tycoon. Yeah, and yeah, right. We just like clip it together. We we'll have fine. like the, the the music slowly in and work in right yeah, to we, the intro, then bam. <laughs> Have some sick beat in the background or something. We're like pulling that. my songs in the background. Right, right. Yeah, it works. Hey, why not? It works. Yeah. How many songs do you have on Spotify? I got five, six songs on Spotify. Five, six songs. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I got a hundred thousand streams. Okay. Streams. Oh, God damn. Man, I be rapping my ass off, bro. Okay. Okay. Listen, I'm on the same level as Drake. Drake. Okay. Oh, see, see now, <laughs> see now, now, Drake. Now, if he would, if he were to bring you up on stage, you feel confident? You can rap one of my songs or one of his? No, no, one of yours. You got to rap one of his. I don't, I don't know. You got to rap you yours. One of my, yeah, for sure. I, like, it's weird. I've always, this vision in my head, I've always had a vision of me, like, playing Coachella. Mm -hmm. And I've done, I've done the thing. I remember when my first song came out, I've done the thing where I'm full, like, in my room, just jumping and pretending I'm performing on stage mm -hmm. in front of, like, Coachella crowd. Right. For some reason, it was just in my head. I was just super cool. I think, naturally, I'm, like, a born entertainer. Mm -hmm. So, entrepreneurship was how i paid for my life mm -hmm. but i think naturally i like to entertain i like to speak on stage i like to make music and just rap anything i used to fight on stage i like to just do everything on stage you were fighting on stage yeah because oh, when you were kickboxing yeah oh yeah that makes sense yes yeah, so i was on stage and the spotlight's hitting you one thing they don't tell you about that too you don't realize like fighting like here is different than when you're on stage and the spotlight's hitting you. Yeah. Because you're getting hit with spotlights and you're like, fuck, I'm supposed to fight? Like, it's kind of nerve-wracking. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, right. It's like playing in a stadium. I remember when I was in college, yeah. the biggest stadium I ever played, because I played in D3, but then the biggest stadium that I ever played in was in um, Central Michigan. Mm -hmm. And then we played in this stadium. It's like maybe like 40, maybe like 20, 20, 30, 40,000. I don't know how much. It was a lot. It wasn't completely packed. That's still But just with the seats, you're on the field yeah. and you look up like, man, this is, this is crazy. You start to lose yourself in the moment. And that's what I started to understand when people said the lights were too bright for some people. I'm like, man, you know, maybe it might be too bright. For <laughs> for too bright. That's why I'm a failed college athlete. But you know what's cool? And that, that's the two things that it made me think of. You know, athletes are actually the best entrepreneurs. Mm. That's why you see a lot of athletes like Michael Jordan, LeBron, billionaires already. Mm -hmm. Because when you have that competitive drive, if you think about it, business and, and sports are the same. Yeah, the same. It's just dedication and hard work. Right. Perseverance. Right, mm -hmm. which goes to our title. But if you want to do the intro, you can do the intro now. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is I, the diligent, vigilant, meticulous, sagacious, conscientious, analytical, methodical individual, the chiseled Adonis. But of course, you already knew that. And this <laughs> serial entrepreneur, the Filipino prince tycoon, <laughs> Rene Lacard. And we are, this is Assiduous. How you doing, brother? You I'm doing? good, man. I'm good. When you said, I remember when you were sending me a list of names, mm -hmm. you were like, you sent me a list. I was like, I don't know, too cliche, too cliche. I saw Assiduous. And I was like, isn't that a, I thought it was a scary movie. Mm -hmm. I thought it was Insidious. Right. So I was like, I was like, yo, why would we, that's so scary. Why would we name our podcast after that? And then I looked it up. I was like, what does it even mean? I looked it up and I thought it was a great fit because Assiduous, not Insidious. Insidious is like scary, evil, scary. Yeah, yeah something like that. Um, assiduous is like with great care or perseverance. Mm-hmm. I think that speaks a lot to like our stories because your background, you're a failed college athlete. Yep. Failed. 
Mm-hmm. Big F, big failure right there. Failure guard athlete. But I was a dog on the field. Yeah. Four catches, 34 yards. I moved the chains three times, three first downs. Come on now. The referees know my name. So, you, were, you were a failed college athlete, mm-hmm. and then you became a very successful YouTuber. Mm-hmm. For me, um, I grew up with a single mom. Broke. My mom was an immigrant, moved to the United States, and became a self-made millionaire through starting businesses. So I think both of us, we've built a life based on our perseverance with great care. Uh, so it was just the perfect name, man. It, it was almost like poetic. And we talk a lot about um, the stuff we do. We talk a lot about business, sports. We were just talking about how athletes tend to be the best entrepreneurs because right. it requires dedication, mm-hmm. perseverance, all the same stuff that you typically need. Yeah, and it, what was funny about it was with, like you look at a Michael Jordan, you look yeah. at a Kobe, you could look at countless different, like even in football, we have like a Tom Brady or whatever. Yeah. These people who wake up every single morning and they just chase greatness. Mm-hmm. And when they go into a locker room and you're surrounded by people, it becomes infectious mm-hmm. because you can't sit there and tell yourself, I'm working hard. Yeah. And you look at Tom Brady, 45 years old, he's running wind sprints, he's working out while his kids is in the background or whatever. He's still getting a workout in, but you're like, oh, no, I'm tired. It's March. The season's done. I don't want to work. No, you're going to have to put in the work there. So whenever you see people like that and that drive to be successful in sports, that transitions right in their post sports life into entrepreneurship. That's how you can have, like you said, a Michael Jordan billionaire, mm-hmm. LeBron James billionaire, Tom Brady. Soon enough, he'll become a billionaire because that Brady brand is already blowing up and everything. It's huge. And you build, it gives you a platform to not only have an audience, but it gives you a platform where you excel if you work hard. I feel, I feel like life is essentially a platform where you excel yeah. if you work hard. Because I know for me, we were talking about this earlier also, there's so many opportunities to make money mm-hmm. for everyone, but people are just lazy and you can't be, you said it, well, what did you say? You said it was five oh, with a bar. Um, um, you, can't, you can't be delusional and lazy. You can't be delusional and lazy. Yeah. Because uh, when people say something like, I'm going to become a millionaire, and then you, you say, cool, what are you doing? And they're not saying, I'm working 12 hours a day. I'm waking up at 6 a.m. every morning. It's like, what are you doing? Nothing. Playing video games, watching Netflix. You can't really. And if you don't monetize what you're already doing, because like with video games, if you're somebody who just, you're a gamer, this is what you do. Mm-hmm. If you don't find a way to monetize your hobbies, then it's either you find something that you can monetize, you pick up a different skill, or you work a different job, build a business and try to scale from there. But if you're just doing the same thing every single day and you think you're about to become a millionaire, that makes no sense. If you're making like $42,000, you're just regular nine to five, working a regular job. You say, I want to be a millionaire and you change nothing in your day to day. You're delusional yeah. and you're lazy. You'll never get to where you want to go. The thing about making money too, or success in any field, whether it's sports, whether it's mm-hmm. fitness, whether it's making money, I think there's almost this snowball effect mm-hmm. where you see no results and then you see everything at once. Right. Because for me, at least, I was not making that much money. Then all of a sudden, I just felt flush with cash. I was, I was clearing $100,000 a month out of nowhere. Keep in mind, before this, I was making ten grand a month had, at a job and I was busting my ass every single day. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, I had the business. I started making less, working every single day. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. It almost felt like magic. It just, boom, all the money hits you at once. And then I'm thinking maybe you could even relate to that with, with YouTube where you're doing okay. Then all of a sudden you just, it's just, it's almost like you, you uh, turn the faucet on and everything starts coming out. 
Right, because with, with YouTube, it's a little bit different because with you, I don't know how soon you started to see like profitability yeah. straight out the gate. But for me, I'll never forget. And a lot of people want to get into YouTube. I'll tell you this much. I went the first two years and maybe eight months, no money, mm -hmm. no money. So essentially, I'm cranking out videos four times a week, five times a week, sometimes every day for nothing. But I stayed consistent because I knew it's a long game. It's not a short game. It's a marathon. What kept you consistent, though? What kept you consistent during that? I, the moment that I started, I said, okay, I think I have something here because I naturally I can speak. Uh -huh. That's that's one. And then two, I can rant. Yeah. So before I even got into the commentary, the voiceover behind the scenes type of thing, I knew I could turn on the camera and just go. So there were moments, the first video I ever posted, I was on Facebook. I was going to the gym and for whatever reason, it started raining. It was like a light drizzle. But now all of a sudden people in New York, they couldn't drive. So when that was the case, I said, you know what? I'll just take, I'll take my, I think I had like a Galaxy 3 or something like that. I put it up on the, um, the, the stand that's inside the car. I just clicked record and I went off for like two and a half minutes. And I posted it on Facebook. I woke up the next morning. I'm just seeing notifications all over the place. What the hell is this? I had over a thousand views. I'm like, wait a minute. What, what's going on over here? So I started posting from then. And of course, there were some videos that got traction, others that didn't. Mm -hmm. But I knew, wait a minute, I got something here. Because if I could just post this out of the blue and I got a thousand views, I know it's I'm capable. And then I saw other people doing the same thing, whether it was um like I, um Robert Frank. He was doing rants inside of his car mm -hmm. and talking about the gym or whatever. There was other people posting a bunch of different content, like uh, Daquan Wilshire. He does uh, like anime and all the other stuff. RDC World, they doing their stuff. And I'm just looking at it like, you know what? These guys are no different than me. We may have different niche or whatever, but they're posting and going. So why don't I just post and go? Somebody else did people it. Sleep on that. People sleep on just taking action. Yeah. They sleep on the fact that if you were to just go, stuff changes fast. For me, it was kind of like something similar. I was on TikTok and I was posting just the flashiest shit. It was like rich boy do shit, mm. right? But it was, it was so effective because it would get views. But then eventually I was like, this is cool, but I don't want to build my entire brand around just posting lifestyle things. So I remember one time, a lot of the questions in my comments when I was in TikTok, mm. people would be like, oh, what do you do to make so much money? How do you make money? It's so hard to make money. How do I live a lifestyle like this? So I, I just looked at the question. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Picked up my phone, ranted on TikTok about how there were so many ways to make money online. There's so many things to do. You just have to get started. Best case scenario, you become a millionaire. Worst case scenario, like you try something, it doesn't work out. But I mean, there's nothing to lose, really. There's zero risk for people to do. And sure enough, I posted that, uh, put my phone down, come back to it. It's like I had a million views. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, holy shit, we're onto something here. And that's how my content slowly transitioned from flashy stuff mm -hmm. to then posting content. And then now we're here talking on camera. Yeah, ain't that crazy? Yeah. And, and what's funny about it is because you never know what social media will take. Because a lot of people, man, like social, social media is a blessing and it's a curse. Mm -hmm. But it's more of a blessing if you use it the right way. Yeah. So if you're trying to inspire, you're trying to connect with people, then social media is a perfect place because you'll never run out of people that you can service and help. Mm -hmm. Because somebody will always pop up in that comment section. Oh, how do I do this? How do I do that? If you have an answer to give them, you have a solution to their problem you'll have endless amount of content, no matter what it is that you're doing. If you're doing makeup or whatever, Facts. everybody has a different face. Facts. Everybody has a different skin tone. 100%. All you have to do is figure out a way to answer their problem and you'll have a customer or a supporter, subscriber and for life. I tell everyone this, there's so many different avenues for it because there's a million people that do sports commentary. Yeah. 
right? Or commentary in general. There's a million people that teach business on YouTube, content in general. But because of my delivery, because of how I look, because of my background, people relate to me because of your delivery, because of your voice, because of your background, people will relate to you. So we've been able to carve out audiences just based off of our delivery and the way we do things. And, and the thing about content, it's like changing. If you think from the beginning of time, I thought about this the other day. I was watching Succession and they own a billion dollar media empire. And I thought about this the other day. The entire world is just content. When you look at Disney movies, their entire thing is just content. Think about it. Disneyland Resort, Disneyland theme park, their advertising, their marketing is a Disneyland movie, right? You go watch uh, a Disney movie. That's just a one long commercial. It's a two hour commercial to go buy Disney merch or buy, subscribe to Disney Plus or go to the Disneyland theme park, right? And Disney, they're getting smart, so they're diversifying their content. They bought Marvel, mm -hmm. so now they have all the superhero stuff. Now they have superhero content. Cool. They, they uh, own Avatar. So now they have the Avatar ride at like Orlando Disney. So Disney is just one big content company, a big media company. Yeah, they become the one-stop shop for everything. So then soon enough, whatever you're interested in, Disney's going to be associated with it. And, so they get a cut. And it's crazy because Disney, you know, Disney actually has a hand in a lot of things that you might not even know about. You know, Disney, I think they own ESPN. Re yeah, yeah, I did see that. I Disney did owns ESPN. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, what the hell does Disney know about sports? But I if, if you then associate yourself with them, you grow from that point. Now you're getting a piece of everything and it yeah. comes back to you. And then Disney owns, uh, what's another one? They own Vice. It was something like Vice. They own Vice. So it's things that are, are completely unrelated to Disney, but they just have such a, a like huge re reach with all of these media platforms. They're just essentially one big content thing. So content is king. Um, another example, when you look at music labels, record labels, mm -hmm. all they do is essentially invest in content creators who make content, which is the music in this case, right? So you have all these content creators making content, aka music, and that's how you make your money. Yeah, it makes sense. And you know what's funny is, and a lot of people, when, when it comes to making content, some people will say, okay, um, well, how can I make content? I don't have anything going on. The fact that you don't have anything going on is more than enough reason to go and make content yeah. because somebody who doesn't have anything going on can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, when I first started and I had nothing, I would still post about my situation. This is what's happening, whether I got flagged on Facebook, whether it was flagged on YouTube, whatever the case was. When it was happening in real time, I talked about it. You don't got to be living a super flashy lifestyle. Like in your case. You, when we started posting, if I'm not mistaken, when you started posting, you was already somewhat up or on your yeah. way up, but you still have video logs of when you didn't have it. And the thing is, it was almost like an accident. Like I, I was posting way before that. No one was paying attention though. Mm -hmm. So I would post like, Hey guys, I'm hustling. 1500 people follow me at the time. No one cared. So like, you don't hear about it. Then all of a sudden I start posting flashy things. Then people start following it. And then that's when they find out about me. That's when they assume, Oh, you've had this already. When in reality, I didn't. I had. I started from the way beginning. You just noticed when I had the flashy stuff. And don't you find that funny? Because people now they'll associate everything. Like if somebody looks successful, they are successful. Yeah. All of a sudden, there was never a point where you weren't successful. Like I find it funny when people talk about like LeBron, and they'll be like, "All right, he's out of touch," trying to see if he could still relate to people, yeah. but they forget the fact that he came up single mother in the hood. Pretty much, he he's a statistic where you're not supposed to make it to where you're at. Yeah. A bunch of professional athletes, entrepreneurs, I think there was like a um, statistic where they said it was like 90% of the new millionaires were all self-made. It's only like 10% who had inherited, you Bro. know, from their parents or whatever. 
So all these different people are creating their success, but for whatever reason, because most people don't think it's attainable, they'll just immediately associate success with bad. Mm -hmm. And they'll be like, well, if you must have sold your soul, you must have, you know, been praying to the devil. You must be some sort of Satanist. And you're just sitting there like, wait, I, I just worked hard and I was consistent. Yeah. That was it. The thing is, the internet has like uh, democratized, I don't know if that's the right word, mm -hmm. democratized the ability to make money. Because in the past, right, let's say you wanted, you had a message, you wanted to get it across, and it was a message people were related to. How would you get it across? You wouldn't have any way to broadcast it to the world. Mm -hmm. You would have to go to a, a record label and say, hey, I made this song. Help me get it everywhere. Put it on the radio. Put it on TV. Put it on MTV music video, right? Now you just post it on YouTube. One of my biggest things, I see a bunch of artists. A lot of my friends are rappers, artists. And they'll be like, man, like, I'm just trying to get a record deal. I'm like, bro, why the fuck do you need a record deal? Just post it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Post it on YouTube. Post your song on Spotify. Post anything anywhere and it'll, it'll go. The same goes for content, like entertainment. Let's say you wanted a, a talk show, right? In the past, you would have to go to a, a network and say, hey, I want a talk show. Help me with my talk show. Now you get a camera, mm -hmm. set it up in your car, rant for a minute, post it on YouTube. And, and the thing is, there was something, I just saw something recently. Uh, Tucker Carl Carlson, he was like a Fox guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, Fox. yeah. He just posted on YouTube. I mean, I'm sorry, on Twitter. Tucker Carlson just posted on Twitter. And I think in one day, it got like 20 million views. So when you look at Fox, I think their viewership was like 10 million or something. Mm -hmm. He already got more viewers than the network he was on just by taking control of it and posting And him being on Fox News created a personal brand for him. Yeah. So now you look at it like, all right, how much traction was he bringing to Fox? Now that he's left Fox, he's doing his own thing. He's his own brand. Yeah. And people will follow him for him rather than Fox News. And everywhere, like especially in sports where you have players like OBJ, this dude, the most followed football player in the country. Okay. And it came from that one-hand catch. Yeah. And he was able to turn the one-hand catch into a personal brand like crazy. It was the mo it was one moment, yeah. One moment. And it doesn't matter what he does on the field anymore because he is Odell Beckham, the one-hand catch guy. Mm -hmm. So when you now have that personal brand, and that's what makes content so big, mm -hmm. because the moment that you start posting and people associate you with whatever your content is, you can now become that person in that space. And it doesn't matter what's, what, whatever it is that you're doing, people are going to find interest in a bunch of different things. Because how many people are online doing makeup? Like there's, there's so many. Millions upon millions of people who are doing makeup. Yeah. And there could be two people reviewing the same product, but somehow they both get 500,000 views. Yep. It's not all about the product. It's about the person. The delivery of the product. And the delivery of the product. So when that being the case, it doesn't matter what it is that you're talking about or wanting to get started or whatever. This content is going to be the future because, and on top of that, the longevity of it, mm -hmm. because it can be 50 years from now, YouTube, whether it's around or not, there's a, your digital footprint exists. So whatever it is that you posted, it's still out there. Yeah. So we can't see photos or videos of our grandparents, mm -hmm. but our grandchildren can see videos of us in real time when we were kids. The craziest part about that too, is now you own the content. So back in the day, right, like what people would do, what these big conglomerate media conglomerates would do is I would find someone like you and be like, oh, this guy's going to be big. They're just sleeping on him. If we put some money behind him, he could be big. I'll be like, yo, I'll give you 10 grand a month to host your own talk show on our network. Then now you do it. Now we're bringing in $100,000 a month just from your face and your name and, and your, the way you speak. And you're only making 10 grand of it. We're taking advantage of you essentially. Mm -hmm. So now the fact that you can release everything, it's all self-distribution talk shows, podcasts, 
every form of entertainment, uh, makeup reviews, everything, the control is now in the person's hands. Mm -hmm. There's no excuse for anyone to not be rich. How you said, like 90% of new million or millionaires are now like self-made, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, you're gonna be the first millionaire in your family. I'm the first millionaire in my family. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, it's a beautiful thing what the internet has done. And and go, going back to what you were saying, it's not necessarily the product, it's more so the person or the delivery of the personal brand. The way I think about it too, I have a supplement company, this thing right here. Um, there's thousands of supplement companies. Yeah. So for us to be able to do a million dollars in a super saturated market, it just goes to show that it's the message and the way you're delivering it. Rappers, say, they don't say the same shit, bro. I can't tell you, like if you were to take like just, and we should do this at some point in the show, we take like 10 random rap lyrics mm -hmm. and say, who said it? These four rappers, you'd be, I would be like, I don't know who said, they all say the same thing. But it's the way they deliver it that gets that builds them an audience. Mm -hmm. And then the people they associate with it, and then they follow you on your journey, wherever it is that you're going. And I love the fact that you mentioned, like, just when you post the stuff online, and you don't, you no longer have to be associated with a label or a production company or whatever the case is, because you cut out the middleman. Yeah. So now with the people, when they follow you for you, and there's endless amounts that you could go into. But I, I would love to know what was your lowest, what was your lowest point? Because I know where a lot of times people will be like, all right, well, you know, multimillionaire, I got all these other subscribers or whatever the case is. Well, how can I relate to you? Where was the lowest point that you was at? Because I know where my lowest point was. Yeah. But I'd love to know where your lowest point was. Well, tell 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 us about your lowest point. I want to hear yours first, because that's a tough question. I feel like I've had a lot of low points. Mm -hmm. Um I've had low points when I was rich, I've had low points when I was broke. So I want to hear yours and it'll give me an idea of like, it'll help me. Okay. Control. Okay. So I, yeah, I could paint the picture for you. So I easily, I, I would have to say my lowest point, uh, it was October 9th, 2019. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting at uh, uh, my, my friend's house. I used to do uh, skits with uh, um, Ahmad, a uh, uh, good friend Ahmad. Yeah. And for him, uh, it was, we called it black and brown film. And then we were sitting there trying to tape or brainstorm something. And one of my friends sent me a message. He's like, yo, um, I got this ticket. Uh, can you shoot me $50? I don't got enough of it that's in my account or whatever. I'm like, all right, cool, I got you. I went to go to Cash App. I went to, I put the five, five zero in there. It's an insufficient funds. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. What's going on? <laughs> me? And I hadn't checked my account like since college. Yeah. And I was never balling, but I had enough to where yeah. I could live. I took, a, I took a look at it, it said $49.42. I'm like, oh, oh I'm broke. Man. It's over. At this point, I'm like, man, I'm broke. And then my friend, he had, 317 in his account mm -hmm. and then my other friend who asked me to send him 50 he had 20 cents in his account oh so at that God. point and what's crazy about it is i had a hundred and i think 12 subscribers at the time a hundred no a hundred and twelve thousand subscribers so i had you had a hundred and twelve thousand subscribers as a joke yeah at the time broke wow. so even though it had the appearance of somebody like i got the youtube plaque i got all this other stuff yeah. it had the appearance that i was up but i was really down and that's like by far the lowest because People see something like, oh, man, yo, you must be here. I'm not. And they don't understand that I'm not there because the numbers show that I should be there, but I'm not. Mm -hmm. So that by far was like the lowest moment because it wasn't even just the financial that was down. So I, my question yeah. now is like, how do you have 112,000 subscribers with less than 50 bucks? How does that even happen? Like Bro, what? Like there was, there was there was some videos that was just like not like monetized somewhere monetized. And there was just others where they, YouTube just wasn't like I wasn't even getting paid like that because I went two and a half years, never received a single check from YouTube. So I'm essentially just working for free. I'm living off of money that I had saved from years prior. Wow. And 
it's just, and that goes back to like the the motivation and the dedication of everything was i just kept grinding i'm looking at it like yo if i just keep grinding something's gonna end up happening hit, yeah. so and the the biggest problem that i think i ran into why it was so low for me was despite all of the numbers i was still almost in the same spot lifestyle wise money wise everything Mm-hmm. from when i started but i had these numbers so although i had some attention i get stopped in the street or whatever i'm sitting here i'm like man i'm sitting there in my parents house i'm recording my mom's coming home from work she's interrupting my videos my dad is in the morning i can't record because he got different stuff going on so that was by far like the lowest moment because it looked like i had everything together but i really didn't that almost that aspect of it almost makes it worse mm-hmm. that almost makes it worse because when you're broke but people know you're broke it's like, oh, this is great. Like, there's no pressure. Mm-hmm. But, like, let's say you have the appearance of being successful, but you're actually broke. There was a thing. Uh, I saw it on Twitter. It was, like, most people have more followers than they have money. Yeah. And that's got to be one of the worst feelings where you've got a million followers. And I know this because I know a lot of these influencers, they have 500,000 followers on Instagram. They got $5 in their bank account. So that got to be one of the worst feelings because at that point, you almost have to put up a front, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, legit lying to people in a sense. Yeah. Because at least for me, I've always ran with the man. I got no money. I don't got it. Like till this day, it's alleged that maybe I got money. Maybe <laughs> I don't. Nobody knows. Because I always joke about student loans. I refuse to pay them. I will never pay it. Whatever <laughs> case, despite how much money I make. Like Google, I think it had said that my net worth was like one point seven million. Oh, then it went down to like five hundred thousand or whatever. But it's still in like the the six figure mark. Me personally, I always tell people, man, I'm broke. I ain't got it. Yo, you, I ain't got it. So funny. The Google thing is so funny because uh, I remember one time me and my girl were out and uh, we were just talking about something. They started talking about money and I, I brought up mine. I was like, yo, man, Google got me fucked up. If you Google my net worth, mm. it has something ridiculous. Like I wanted like a middle one. I wanted one that was like that made me look like a baller, mm-hmm. but still at the same time, like wasn't too excessive where it puts a target on my back. So I was expecting like maybe it'll say like a million, two million. I'm like, mm. I'll, I'll be good. Go on Google. It says, uh, Renee Lacotte net worth $13,000. I'm like, what? <laughs> 13000 I'm like, oh, oh. no. Nah. And, and that, when you think about it, right, if I was a single guy, that's the worst. Like, imagine a girl Googling you and it says net worth $13,000. like, oh. Yeah. So it was one of the worst things ever. And then I Googled my girls and my girl was hilarious. I Googled hers. It was like net worth $4 million. And I'm like, damn, man. Like, yeah, it makes you look like a super bum. Yeah, it makes you look like... <laughs> and the big matters worse is because, for one, if you can Google me yeah. and something comes up and then it says that much, I feel like shit. Yeah. Because the average man makes like, what, 42000 yeah. So then if you Google your name, it's like, oh, yeah, 13000 Wait, Wait, wait a minute. This guy is... You're a fourth of the average person. Yeah. So you're like super broke. That's crazy. But it was, crazy. it was so funny because then I, I remember I was like, fuck, bro. Like, how do I change? Who do I call? Can I call Google and be like, yo, report this. This is false. So, yeah, it was. Uh, but going back to my lowest point, I think for me, my, one of my lowest points was actually a long time ago when I was broke. Um, Growing up, I had a single mom. Mm. She was an immigrant and she's Asian. And, you know, Asian ladies are like straight A's. Otherwise, you go, right. you like honorable suicide. Mm-hmm. Right, like that's that's like that was like the Asian joke. I was never like a straight A student. I was never a math whiz. I was never anyone good. I was I wasn't even someone that wanted to go to college. Mm-hmm. I refused to go to college, so I I dropped out. I got a job, and I remember I told everyone I was gonna be rich. Keep in mind, I'm making like thirty grand a year, washing dishes, or there was less, it was twenty grand a year washing dishes at a Chinese restaurant, and I had the audacity to go to people and be like, I'm gonna be a millionaire one day. Just watch. 
And every single person, including my mom, including all my close friends and family, they're like, no, my mom was like, you're going to be a bum. I didn't raise you to be like this. Like, you're going you're gonna to be nothing, right? And every single person, girls would be like, this guy's a loser, right? You don't want to tell a girl that you wash dishes in the back of yeah. a Chinese restaurant, right? They're not like, they're not looking for that. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, every, it felt like the world was against me at that point. No one believed in me. I would tweet and stuff like, I'm going to get this car. I'm going to do this. And people would just look at me like I'm dumb. And I remember I, I'd work 40 hours a week washing dishes and I'd come home. My hands were all pruney to get a fucking paycheck for like 400 bucks. And bro, that was the word. I, I remember one time seeing my paycheck and I wanted to cry because it was actually more than 400, but there was like taxes and stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm really uh, about that. And nobody ever prepared us for the damn tax. Yeah. So like I get my paycheck because I'm thinking I'm going to get like 800 bucks or something right because i've been working 40 hours it was like nine bucks or eight, eight bucks minimum wage so like i'm gonna get a paycheck for like 700 dollars, 800 dollars. i get it, it's like 400 and i'm like you feel so empty you're like wow i did all of that for this mm -hmm. i'm never gonna make a million right so that was probably one of the lowest points because I, I remember i looked at my paycheck and i just started tearing up like you get tears mm -hmm. grown man tears thug tears but i was just like fuck because you knew where you wanted your life to go and you're like, what I'm doing here, this ain't going to get me there. And yeah, it's not going to get me there. But it's like, how? Like, I had no idea how I was going to get out. I was like, fuck, bro. Am I stuck here for the rest of my life? And then the, the thought of like everyone else being right about me almost made me like, it wasn't like, it was like tears of frustration. Because mm. I was getting frustrated because like, fuck, everyone's saying this stuff. And I just wanted everyone to shut up because I knew I was going to do it. But here I am with a $400 check telling people I'm going to be a millionaire. It's so how, hard to how did you tune out the noise? I mean, they like tunnel vision. The way I see it, bro, it, there's there's two options. It's either they're right or they're wrong. At the end of the day, they're right or they're wrong. And it's like, I'm not gonna sit here, because if I sat there and did nothing about it, to this day, people would be saying the same shit about me. I would have a terrible life, and I would have no one else to blame. At the end of the day, most of it's accountability, right? No one is no one is making the money for you. No one is losing weight for you. No one is making you work harder. No one is making you do anything, right? And if they are, that's not the right motivation. Mm -hmm. People can only push you so far, right? You can only do something for someone else for so long. But the second that you, that you take accountability and you're like, you know what? At the end of the day, there's two options. I either fail or I win. If I fail or I succeed. So for me, I was like, nah, fuck that. I'm not going to let other people, other people be right about me. Mm -hmm. So it, it kind of drives you. In the, in the beginning, I think I was driven a lot by shutting people up i was the same way i was the exact same way because i would sit there and oh went down but oh, we good oh good enough okay but um i was the same way because i would look at it like all right everybody would say well not in my, in my immediate family like my mom thought everything was just like a game i'm just i'm just playing games or whatever i'm buying this camera that's a game all this other stuff yeah. is a game my dad didn't really say anything that was bad, but he was like, when are you going to go get a job? Like, when are, you, when are you staying in the house doing nothing? My brother supported it with like from a distance or whatever. Then I had friends who would tune in or whatever. They're not really supporting like that. So I'm just on my own, essentially, trying to figure stuff out. And what people don't understand is when you see yourself living a particular kind of life and you have a goal that you want to get, but you're not there, most people quit in life. So because they quit, they look at you like, oh, why don't you just quit? Yeah. Because they're accustomed to quitting themselves. So then they project that onto you. When you are like, you're looking at it like, okay, I know I got to get here. This isn't working. I got to figure something out. You make an adjustment. 
this isn't working. I got to figure this out. You make another adjustment and you're trying like unyielding desire to try to get to where it is that you want to go. People don't recognize that you can use that as fuel. It stays in the back of your mind. Yeah. Like I remember I met, um, there was some entrepreneur that I had met and he had the names of the people who had hated on him, oh. wrote it down on a wall. That's fire. And said like, I'm going to use this to fuel me because people will say, oh man, that's toxic. It's toxic after you make it. Yeah. But when you're still on the, the grind, mm -hmm. that can keep you going. People underestimate how much anger can really push somebody. Yeah. Because and when you're really pissed off, that'll get you moving. When you look at, was it Michael Jordan, his Hall of Fame speech, he called out his high school teacher. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know he was holding on to that. He took that personally. Yeah. It was like, and it's true though. I think at some point, for me, at least, I, I make the joke. I say, uh, therapy, I went to therapy and I lost my swag. Because it's true. It's like before I went to therapy and I just had this unhealthy anger in the back of my head, I was a fucking beast, bro. I was waking up early. I was working long hours. I was just killing everyone. I was killing the gym. I was just going ham. I went to therapy. I did some healing. I went on an ayahuasca spiritual journey. And now I'm like, damn, I'm kind of soft. I'm pussy now. <laughs> like Before I used to be a dog, but now I'm kind of pussy because like, I don't know what happened. It, once you lose that anger and you get healthy, because like you said, it's toxic to be that angry. Yeah. But at the same time, it's motivating and it's fuel. And the funny thing about that whole thing is like people, when everybody has trauma. Yeah. There's nobody who doesn't have trauma. Mm -hmm. But what are you going to do with the trauma? I always say to people, what's the alternative? Yeah. What's if you're beat down, life is kicking your ass. Do you want to be the person who just get their ass kicked or do you want to fight back? <laughs> it's not easy to fight back. Yeah. But it's also not easy to live your life getting your ass kicked. So what are you going to choose? What are you going to choose? It's going to be like, choose your hard. Either yeah. you, it's going to be hard to win or you're going to live a life of hard failure. Yeah. And a lot of times people think, man, but what if it doesn't work out? There's no shame in failing, but there's no honor the, in not trying. The, the, that's fire too. Uh, you got a lot of quotables on this. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Here's the way I look at it, right? No matter what, do you, do you want five years of hard or do you want 50 years of hard? Mm -hmm. You pick your hard. You know, and the thing is, most people don't realize this when they say, what if I fail? Bro, you're already failing. By not doing anything, you're already failing. By not pursuing your passions, your dreams, your goals, by not making money, you're already failing. I said another thing also. Most people, I used to be the person that said, do, do whatever you're passionate about. And now I'm, I'm kind of switching my tune. to like, you need to make money. You're not going to live a happy life if you don't make money. There was a study that said if you don't make over $75,000 a year, there's a line. If you're under 75 grand a year, which most people are in the, in the United States, in the world, I guess, you're more likely to be sad. You're more likely to be depressed. Anything above that, it kind of like removes that pressure off you. Because if you think about it, like bills, they're going to kill you. Like it's, it's hard to be happy with crippling debt. Yeah. It's hard to be happy when you have to worry about like, oh shit, balancing your checkbook, you know? But the second that you can let go and just like pay this, pay that, pay that, I'm good. You're no longer depressed. You're no longer sad because it relieves a lot of pressure from you. So now I'm like, listen, no matter what, do whatever it takes to make at least a hundred grand, at least a hundred grand. Then after that, find what you're passionate about. But in the beginning, you have to make money. There's no alternative to making money uh, because you might see these stories of these guys that go, that are bums and the, they live on the beach and they, they're homeless and they're happy. 99% of people are not like that. Yeah, those guys are one-offs. Like yeah. they're, they're legit the anomaly to the yeah. entire situation because people say money's not everything. It's not, but you can get a lot of things with money and it frees up a whole lot of stress. Yeah. That's why if you're, if you're single, 
and you're old, like you're much older. Sometimes when you're past it, you could kind of make peace with it. But if you ultimately didn't want to be single and you wanted to fuse like money together, like say if you're making 50,000, you get with somebody who's making 50,000, that's a hundred thousand dollar household. Yeah. You can do some things with that. Yeah. But if you're by yourself, you're at 50 and you're breaking even every single month, you can say you're happy. But are you really depending on the kind of life that you want to live? Because if you're if you're robbing yourself of your joy or whatever, chasing the dollar, then by all means, I understand why you wouldn't want to be excessively rich or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you know more money help, it aids you in helping other people, yeah. more money also frees up your time. More money gives you freedom. Everybody now is in the grind set, you know, mentality. Yeah, we're going to grind. We're going to try to get after or whatever. But what is the real goal of you having the money? What is it that you're trying to accumulate the money for? Because once you figure out what the why is, then you could go after it. Because I agree with you 110%. Your goal should be get more money. Because more money gives you more time to do the things you really want to do. Facts. Do you really want to be sitting inside of a cubicle? Even if you're making like $80,000, that's great. You're making good money. But is this what you really want to do with your life? And one of the big parts about it, I think I tell people this all the time, like money might not be happiness, but one thing I do know for sure is I'm a lot happier when my mom's bills are paid, when I get to take her on vacation, when I get to go on vacation, when I don't have an alarm to wake up, when I don't got a shitty boss, when I don't have to worry about the bills being paid, when I got food on my table, I'm a lot happier. So you could say money doesn't buy happiness as much as you want, but I know this for a fact, poverty doesn't buy you anything. <laughs> yeah, don't. <laughs> it doesn't buy you anything. So at least now I have a shot at happiness. I can try, I'll figure it out. If you give me a, a million dollars, and fucking sadness, I'll try to figure out a way to make myself happy. And you I try to eliminate the damn distractions because when you don't got money, those distractions really gonna get, because you would assume if you're grinding, you're looking at it like, all right, well, I got no money. I'm, 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 I'm broke. I'm living out of a car or whatever the yeah. case is. And you're depressed. You're sad. You're in a bad spot. Whenever any potential opportunity were to show up, you're probably gonna jump at that because that's an opportunity to make money. But when it fails, now you're even more sad. But if you focus in on one thing and you say, all right, I'm going to chase the dollar here. I'm going to do this to get the money to get out of this situation. You're not just chasing greed and just money for no reason. Yeah. You have a reason why you're going after the money. Like for me, I want to make sure my parents, their latter years are their better years. Yeah. I know they're in the twilights. My mom just turned 69 the other day. My dad's going to be 66 in a, in a few months. They're at the tail end of their life. I know that's the case. So when that's the case, I'm that's like, dark. and I'm like, man, yeah, it's, it's ominous as fuck. But I, I, I have to keep it in the in the top of my mind because I'm looking at it like they don't have as much time, you know, as I would love to them. I, I'd love to have them for another 30 years. Yeah. But statistics would show, man, I'll be lucky if I can get 15. Yeah. So with that being the case, I need to make as much money as I can now so that they can enjoy their twilight. If it was just, I just want to get money so I can go fly on jets. I could be on jet skis and all that. doesn't motivate you as much. It's not going to motivate me yeah. as much. So when I have a why that's behind it, now I could really go and get it. So a bunch of people, when they're talking about, man, you know, I don't want to go and get money. Money's the root of all evil, all this other stuff. Well, why do you want to get money for? If you really want to go and you want to help people, like if you're somebody who's a philanthropist, you want to give back. If you now have $5 million, if you only have to live off of 50000 you can now spend over $4 million plus to give back to people and help so many people. I say, I say this all the time. Being broke is selfish, especially as a man. If you're a man and you're broke, selfish, because think about it. You have a future family. And if you don't have any money, you're being selfish in, in the way that you could say, oh, money's not everything. It's selfish. Because for me, I made money, but it's not just for myself. I have employees that make money off of me, take care of their families. I have my mom, my brother, I have my girlfriend. 
I have a lot of people that have good lives because of me. So tell me how it's selfish just because I want to make money, how it's greedy, when in reality, I'm changing a lot of people's lives, where someone that's too lazy, just because you're too lazy to work, you're saying money is, is greed or it's, it's not selfish, you know? It's selfish to not make money. You know, like, I want to help the world. If you really want to help the world, you could say as much as you want. If you really want to help the world, the biggest way to do that is to make money. Yeah, 100%. So. 100%. And what's, what's so funny about the whole thing is, in life, there's going to be winners, there's going to be losers. Which one do you want to be? At, okay, so I'm going to red pill you right now because mm -hmm. my brain, I just, my ADD kicked in. You said something. You commented on one of my YouTube videos. Uh, and it was just about, like, how I met my girl. Yeah. And my thoughts on, like, dating. And you said, like, oh, I, I see where you're coming from, but at the same time, with the with prices going up, like people have to go 50-50 on bills. So for me, I always think the guy should pay for everything. Women should never have to pay for anything. They have their role and the role is to not pay for anything. Mm. And you commented that. I wonder, now that you're making more money, do you still feel the same way? That um that, that a man should, that, or that it should be 50-50? No, because the only reason, I, I say that on behalf of like the, the regular, like the regular everyday guy, because I actually would uh, ass assign myself more with the guy who covers everything because yeah. I want it to be on me. Yeah, I look at it like, yo, if I'm the guy who's the head of the household, I'm running the family. Because for me and my family, I appointed myself number one. Like I told my dad, I'm like, hey, it's my family now, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to make sure that I can do everything in my power to make sure that everything's OK, yeah. because I'm looking at it like it's not just my household or my parents and then my brother. I also have my friends that's extended, my cousins, right. and I want to be the one who can now pull us, you know, to that's prosperity I'm and everything. Now. So with that being the case, I actually agree that as a man, you should you want to cover everything. Mm -hmm. But the only thing that's different is with the woman, they have to make sure that they're also attributing to that as well. Because now we're, and that's not to say that women feel as if they're not, you know, oh, well, we're just going to get a free ride or whatever. Yeah. The dude has to make sure that they're together. You can't just go into no relationship. Like, all right, well, we're just going to split, you know, everything down the middle or whatever. You should have some sort of, I want to lead the family. I want to lead yeah. the relationship. I want to be able to bring us somewhere. Now, granted, depending on how much money that you're making, Sometimes it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be that case or whatever, but you have to have a plan to where you want to be there. So th that's, that was my biggest thing, right? Like I'm not saying obviously your financial situation is not always going to allow you to just pay for everything. But as a man, if that you're not striving for that, if you're like cool with 50, 50, I think there's something broken in your head. Mm. It sounds messed up, but I think there's something broken. If you don't want to be the captain of the ship, you don't want to be the one driving and pulling everyone up and leading everyone. Like there's something intrinsic about it and feels, it makes you feel good too. Like for me, I feel the most accomplished when I take care of everything. For me, it feels good when I pay. When I pay, it's not because I'm extra generous. It's almost like a selfish reason. Cause now I can feel good about myself. I'm like, yo, I paid for everything. Cool. And also, it also buys you more freedom in a sense where it's like, this is the real thing. If you are, if you're a guy that splits everything 50, 50, you almost give the other person leverage. Mm -hmm. Right. And now it's like your girl could t get, tell you to get off your ass and stop being lazy. If you pay for everything, I don't ever see a girl being like, hey, get off your ass. And stop being lazy. Because it's like I pay for everything. What do you mean? Right. Stop being lazy. Right. right. And then on top of that, because like, I remember when, when we were young, all coming up, we always heard like his money is our money. My money yeah. is my money. Right. And then like if you watch Everybody Hates Chris growing up, she was like, oh, man, my my man got two jobs or whatever. And then she would just pretty much she'd be keeping her money. She wouldn't contribute nothing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like when, when you're growing up and then you start dating, like whether it's in 
high school, then you go to like college or whatever, and you're broke. But then you're still in the spot where you want to take care of things, but you can't afford to do so. But the girls are already in the spot where it's like, hey, you know, you got to take care of me or whatever. When you don't got the money, you're like, man, you got to contribute something. Well, that's that's why girls date older guys. Exactly. Exactly. But when when you have a plan, because I look at it like, okay, you could be 50-50 to a certain point. Mm -hmm. But you have to have that understanding and that conversation with your girl. Like, all right, if we're going to be because if you're just casually dating, I think you as a dude, you should probably take care of it because you're doing I look at it from and this this going to sound fucked up. But I always look at it like you're doing her a favor going out out with me. I'm doing you a favor. Clip that. Right. (laughs) So with that being the case, I'm going to go and I'm going to pay. I'm going to I'm going to choose where we're going. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to ask for your insight or whatever. But at the end of the day, I'm going to put on, you know, a great. I don't want to say performance, but we're right. going to have ourselves a great time or whatever. And I'm going to pay. We go about our business. And then if it works out, great. If it doesn't, then it is what it is. And But the way I look at it too, right? Because if you notice, women women will always date up. Dudes will never date up. If you're a broke dude, not good looking, not fit, you're never dating a super hot girl. Yeah, you can women, shoot your shot, but you're not probably not Women it. everywhere. Women could be just like pretty mm-hmm. and they're dating an NBA player. Mm-hmm. That's like a random girl from fucking, I don't know, uh, Massachusetts. And she's just pretty, and now she's dating an NBA player. Like that's that's the power that women have. Men, like, I'm sorry, you could be a guy, uh, even if you're a good-looking guy, you're not gonna fucking go and date Beyonce. And most times, you don't even get into those spaces because yeah. those women are in spots that you can't. <laughs> well, here's, here's a good example. I remember, right? This was this was. If we're gonna talk about low points, this was a low point. I remember I was in LA. There's a club, Poppy. And I wanted to get in, but this place is like exclusive bottle t- uh, bottles only. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to get in. I didn't have bread like that to be able to get bottles and stuff. So I was like, fuck it. How do I get in normally? Right? And I get to the door and bounce is like 100 bucks. I'm like, 100 bucks just to get in? And they're like, yeah, 100 bucks. Because all girls going in. I'm like, man, fuck, this better be worth it. I decided to do it. Like a bitch. I was like, fuck it. Let me, let me just see what's in there. I go in there. It was the worst experience of my life. Because I go in there. I'm getting ignored by all. I paid 100 bucks to get ignored by a bunch of girls to spend 40 bucks on a drink and like sit at the bar drinking and it's like even if i had tried to talk to the girls they're gonna ignore me there's dudes with tables that they're gonna talk to and i'm yep. at the bar paid 100 bucks to get in just a loser you know versus the experience if you go get a table you sit there five girls pull up they sit at your table they're all talking to you and it's like advertisement they come to you because yeah. you yeah. have the status straight out the gate of having it's the just, table it's just 10 times easier so I, one of my things for guys that split the bills, and maybe I don't know everything. I'm not a dating coach by any means, but this is just my where my head goes. Don't you feel insecure splitting the bills with your girl? Because at any point, and this was my experience when I was single, I can't tell you how many girls have boyfriends where I came in, baller like me. I was like, y'all come fly you out, whatever. Just don't tell your boyfriend. They they would leave the boyfriends at home and I would fly them out. They would come here, I'll take care of everything. They loved it, mm-hmm. right? And for them, it was just an experience and it was a lot of fun. And they have like a boyfriend to go back home to. So for me, I, I go, I would get a little bit insecure if I'm splitting the bills with a girl 50-50, knowing that there's a fucking dude that's balling out of control that I just take care of her. But then that comes down to, with, with the particular girl, like what are they, like do they want to contribute? Because most, most women would say, man, they don't want to. Like if they have to, then by all means, and they really enjoy the companionship with the man, then by all means they would go and contribute. But if you told her tomorrow, Yo, you don't got to pay nothing. I'm going to cover everything. And she's like, oh, wow, that's great. So if, if that's the case, then, you know, she doesn't really want to have to contribute, but does she have to? Yeah, so that's, that's the biggest thing, right? Like, I think any woman I've ever talked to, 
None of them have wanted to, to pay bills. None of them have wanted to split the rent. None of them have wanted to split dinner, right? They might say they do just for like to be kind, but for the most part, they just want to be taken care of, mm -hmm. pay for. They want to have an opportunity. Women are their best selves when they have an opportunity to like do what they want. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because if a woman is stressed out and she has to do this, otherwise she dies, like or is homeless, doesn't have food, she's fucking stressed. I can I can tell you about like I've seen girls that are just constantly stressed out because they have to work and like I see them complaining all the time, like oh, I'm too pretty to pay bills on the internet. Because well, like, the problem with happens with that, and that goes back to planning. Because if you're a guy who have no vision, then where can you really take your girl where you're going? Yeah. So that's why I said like when you're when you're splitting the bills and you're doing fifty fifty or whatever, what is the ultimate goal? Because if you go to a girl and you start talking to her or whatever. You're like, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what my projections will be. Like you give the entrepreneur speech or spill, whatever the case is, but you're truly, you know, committed to it. And you say, yo, we'll pay the bills. We'll split it for like four years. But year five, this is what my projection will be. If things go awry, this is what will, my contingency plan is or whatever. And you actually have a plan for the future and you can lay that out. Women love that shit yeah. because you're already showing, hey, this is what I want to do, not only for you, but for us. This is the way I see things. And whenever you talk about the future and now they can see, oh, this person's a person who has vision. Moreover, they have the dedication to go and do it. And you're not just somebody who's selling lip service. You're actually doing the work. You're yeah. actually making sure that you're working your way towards it. By the time it hit year four and you're now at that spot, she'll love you forever because you did exactly what it is that you said. Uh -huh. But if you're a guy who's just working, let's just say it's a, just a regular job, which there's no problem with working a regular job mm -hmm. if that's what you want to do. But if you're somebody who wants to be at the extraordinary portion, you have to be prepared for the fact that, hey, the girl who you're riding with or whatever, you got to make sure you're transparent, you're open, you tell her everything and let her know, hey, this is what the plan is, this is what's going on. Because if you got no plan, it ain't going to work. Yeah, in theory, in, in theory, it's cool. Everyone wants to be a boss in theory. Mm -hmm. And then they realize it costs to be the boss and it's a lot more than they're willing to put in. And that's when things fold, right? Because everyone wants to be a boss. Everyone wants to live in a penthouse. Everyone wants to have a good life. They're not willing to work 16 hours a day for five years straight. You know, they're not willing to invest in themselves. I can't tell you how many times I see people that will tell me I have a course of 29 bucks to learn social media marketing, right? It's $29. It's like, that's lunch. And people are like, is this a scam? I'm scared I'm going to get scammed. It's like, bro, if you are scared for $29, you are never going to make it in life. You never will. And scam, it's, I, I love one of us because there are some people who are scammers that are out there. And I completely understand. But if you're actually in pursuit of information and you see somebody who's doing stuff that you either want to do or they're making the money that you want to make, of course, you would have to properly vet that person. Right. But if if everything that looks like it's a financial opportunity, you think it's a scam, then the acronym for it is still confused about money. So with that being the case that you're scamming yourself because you're holding yourself back from information like the Internet is free. Yeah. Wi-Fi. Maybe you go to McDonald's. It's free. Starbucks is free. But if you pay for Wi-Fi, then it, whatever the case is. But you would have been paying for that anyway. Mm -hmm. So you can research different ways to make money. You can research different ways, different professions or whatever the case is just to learn different stuff because i always tell people what legacy do you want to leave for your family yeah because when you have children or whatever what kind of lifestyle do you want your children to have because you don't want them to struggle like you did even if you had a decent childhood how would you want your kids to experience life not every kid is going to be you know walking around and 
draped in like Louis and Balenciaga and all this other stuff. You can have your kid in nice clothes at a young age. Me personally, I'd, I'd have, you don't need to put that. You're going to get it dirty anyway. But I would want different experiences. You can go into swim class. You can try tennis. You can go into the chess um, club. You can go into dancing, whatever. I would want to give you an opportunity to try as many different things that you're interested in to identify what your likes and dislikes are yeah. versus having to look at the checkbook like, damn, we can't afford to give you this particular experience. We can't like if you're somebody who's into instruments, you like band, mm -hmm. then you're like, all right, my kid is, you know, going towards being interested in joining the band. You then find out for your kid to join a percussion at like seven years old is like five grand yeah. or something per month, which is already crazy. But just throwing a number out there, let's just say it was that much. If you can't afford to do it because you want to be able to make the bill, why not in preparation of before you have the child or when the child is there, you do everything that you can to acquire more money to now they can have that experience. People are super short-sighted. I think that's what it is. They're yeah, they keep, they're nearsighted. They keep it right here rather than what's your five-year plan, 10-year plan, 15-year yeah. plan. And the thing is, I'm not even a big, I'm not big on like five, 10-year plans because so much shit changes. I'm yeah. not going to be the same person I am now in five years and I'm not the same person I am now that I was five years ago. Mm -hmm. But I think a big part of that is when you have a vision and you're working towards that vision, it gives you short-term goals. So like, yeah, you could have a 10-year plan, but now what's your five-year plan? And then from there, what's your one-year plan? What's your six-month plan? What's your one-month plan? What's your two-week plan? What's your one-day plan, you know? Like, I plan every single day in my planner down to, like, the 24 hours, right? All of my goals. And then that'll lead into, like, my goal for the month. Then my goal for the next six months. And I think when you do that, it keeps you focused on your goal and it keeps you motivated. Because most people, they just, they set a goal because it's nice in theory, but they won't actually do it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, man, we're here in Miami. For the finals, you're going to watch the finals, Nuggets Heat. We were talking about this earlier, too. I think this one's interesting because you have a team that's just like the the number one team. They've been number one all year. They're just super good. And then you have the team that was like barely made the playoffs. Complete polar opposites, like yin, yin and yang. And they've managed to somehow meet in the finals and split the the first two games where they have 1-1. One, one. So, like, how is it even possible that this number one team that's been number one all season is facing this team that barely made the playoffs and miraculous underdogs made it all the way to the top and now they're like 50 50. dude it's craziness because with miami they were the number one seed last year in the east yeah and then they had injuries here and there but every team has injuries so i'll never be oh man they would have been here if they never got hurt but for them and the one thing that i love about miami i've been a miami fan since 2000. i picked yeah. my two teams in 2000 i was six years old i said in football i'm a steelers fan basketball i'm a heat fan i've never wavered since but with Miami, they just got that dog in them. Yeah. You just got a squad dog in them. It's like Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, and then plug and play a bunch of different player ones. Yeah. Everybody's the same. You take out Duncan Robinson, you put in Caleb Martin, same player. You take out Caleb Martin, you put in Max Struess, same player. They traded, they got Kevin Love. He's a little bit bigger than the other guys, but still, same somewhat player. They all, they play different, mm -hmm. but the philosophy is all the same. We were talking, and that dog in you is that X factor. When you have a dog in you, you have an X factor. You can never really count someone like that out, right? Even when you look at any other sport like boxing, you have someone that has that dog in them that just punches. You can never really count them out. They could lose 10 rounds. They punch you real hard. The 11th, 12th round, they knock you out. Changes the entire outcome. So same with Miami. When I look at it, Nuggets might have all of these really good players. They might have a great system. They might have a two-time MVP, but... The Heat just have dogs. They have that X factor. They have that. You can't really count them out because on any given night, they can just like tear it up. 
And what's funny about it was the whole playoffs, because the play-in happened, Miami lost. They lost um, to Atlanta. Yeah. They couldn't catch a rebound. They lost to Atlanta. Then they played the play-in game um, to, to save their season and qualify for the playoffs against Chicago. Mm-hmm. They're in a spot where it's three minutes left. They losing. Yeah. All of a sudden, things change. They're able to go and they get themselves a W and they qualify to go to the playoffs. Then all of a sudden, after that, they play against Milwaukee. Milwaukee's the number one seed. You got the two-time MVP and Giannis. And the, Giannis gets hurt in the, um, the first game. He falls on his back. But at the time, they were down by, I think, 10 points. Yeah. Tyler Hero breaks his hand. So now it's like you lose a guy, you lose a guy. Giannis comes back after um, sitting out a game. They had won the next one in split in Milwaukee. They lost game three. He comes back for game four. And still, Miami comes back. Jimmy has that 56-point game or whatever. And you're sitting there like, what the hell? They go back to Milwaukee. Still, Miami was, oh, well, they're going to blow a 3-1 lead. Nope. They win. They end the series right there. They go to New York. Everybody picks the the, the Knicks to win. Same thing happens. These are two teams. Both got the dog in them. For whatever reason, Miami just got more counter punches, and they're going to go and win. Conference finals, rematch from last year. They played against Boston. 3% chance to win the, the series. I guess. They win game one. Uh, it's a 7% chance they'll win. They win game two, both games in Boston. Uh, there's a 13% chance they'll win the series. They go up 3-0. People still like, man, they're going to be the first team to blow a 3-0 lead. They lose three in a row. It gets close. Game seven, they blow out Boston in Boston. Go to the finals, same situation. It's like you're the consummate underdog Mm -hmm. the entire playoffs. Nobody believes in you. And somehow, Miami don't care. They 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 don't give a fuck. Well, you know what it is, too? I think life is funny in a way. I don't know if you're spiritual or not, but there's a poetic nature to life. Where things like this happen every once in a while, and you're like, wow, we can make a movie about that. And and it's it's almost like it was written, right? When you look at like Odell Beckham, what are the odds your name is Odell Beckham Jr.? Fucking, that's a perfect name to become a star and you catch his fucking pass that's just like amazing one-hand reach-back pass. Odell Beckham Jr., boom, that's your pass. You're now a star, right? It's like poetic. It's written. I think there's certain things in life where the craziest shit could happen. Like, even with this, if they win, bro, that's probably one of the greatest championship runs in NBA. It, it might be the greatest. Cause yeah. no, the only other eight seed that ever made it was the 99 Knicks. Mm-hmm. And that was in a lockout shortened season. Yeah. So, and the one seed and the eight seed was only different, differentiated by, I think it was like eight games or whatever, but it was a lockout shortened season and the seeding was constantly changing. So although I'd put an asterisk next to that one, I'll still give them the credit. They were eight seed that made it. They also beat Miami in the conference finals too. But still, nevertheless, I'm not bitter or anything. I was only five years old but still um miami would if they get it done this would probably be the lowest seed or actually you know it would be the lowest seed in maybe championship across all sports maybe now i I don't 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 quote me on it but it could be what's considered the worst team to turn it around and what makes miami even more spectacular and we were talking about it before they were the worst scoring team in the nba in the regular season the playoff start they're the number one three-point shooting team. Defensive efficiency is like through the roof. It's like you got two different people. Well, the thing is you also rise to the level of your competition. Mm-hmm. And I can say this with anything. This is why you want to surround yourself with successful people. Because if you were a bunch of dorks, a bunch of unambitious people, guess what? Like you become that as well. So with Miami, it's like you rise to the level of your competition. I noticed myself 
when I box or when I play basketball, if someone I'm playing with sucks or yeah, if they're not good at the sport, I will lower my level just to like make it competitive. And I don't do it on purpose. It just happens. I'm like, oh, I'm not fighting that good today. If I'm boxing or from playing basketball, I'm not shooting that well. Or I'm kind of lazy on defense. The second the competition gets better, I get better as well. It's like iron sharpens iron. Yeah. So when you're in a room with a bunch of dumb people, naturally you're going to dumb yourself down because you want to fit in. It's human nature to want to fit in anywhere. But if you're in a room with a bunch of smart people, you're going to become smarter. So I think with Miami, they just rise to the level of their competition no matter what. If they're playing a really good team, they're like, okay, we need to try hard. If they're playing a weak team, they're like, okay, we'll like keep yeah, it. probably just coast and just exist around. That. And I'm happy you mentioned that about like the competitive nature where when you're in a situation where you're competing against somebody, and we talked about this before too, yeah. with like the treadmill, um, Stairmaster or whatever it might be, playing basketball or wherever it is. When you're in a spot where you're competing against somebody and you want to take that person's soul. Yeah. And when you watch Rocky, Apollo was the better boxer than Rocky, mm -hmm. but Rocky just never quit. Yeah. So when you watch the movie, you're just sitting there like, yo, why don't this dude just give up? It's over. The yeah. first movie, he getting his ass whipped, but the dude never quit. And then towards the end, you see, you see Apollo like, yo, I'm throwing my best at this dude. He's still here. So with Miami, I look at it like, yo, with Denver, you were the number one team in the West since pretty much since the beginning of the season. Because December, at this point, beginning of the season or whatever the case is. And you're going on against this eighth seed with seven undrafted players, and they're still there. Like, they were down by 20-plus in game one. They were still able to cut it and make it a little bit close. And Denver didn't play their best game, but neither did Miami. Miami won game two. They didn't play their best game either. They started out up by 11. They went down by 15 like that. Yeah. And then they still have that dog to fight back because to have a team that has trailed by 10-plus points in the fourth quarter and they have a winning record, when that happens, that doesn't make sense. Doesn't. So like you stated, I think it's like a team from destiny. And I'm not trying to get, you know, too optimistic about it to like set myself up to be let down <laughs> because I would love to be a part of a championship team when they win. And I'm on, you know, social media when it happens, because the last time it happened was like 2013 when the Heat won. Mm -hmm. And then in football is 08 when the Steelers won. And I wasn't on socials during that time. But I would love to be able to, for one, go to a parade. That seems like it's freaking crazy. And then two, to really watch that end the story. Nobody could ever say, man, you know, I can't, I don't feel like doing it today. Maybe I'm not good enough. Because there's a squad that had no business being here. Yeah. But for Denver, I think for Denver, they still have, they, they have a huge opportunity to win because Jokic is best player in the NBA. Facts. Jamal Murray turns into a different beast when the playoff he, he He'll get, he's like so streaky. It's well, hit one, hit two, three in a row, four in a row. So, yeah. Him and Jimmy Butler, actually, not to cut you off, but him and Jimmy Butler are the only two players in NBA history who have more 40-point games in the playoffs in the regular season. Doesn't make sense. It's yeah, like they're both the same people. It's just a light skin version, a dark skin version. <laughs> no, but it's true what you said about, like, taking, taking the soul of someone else. Um, in life in general, I think this is a great point to end on. In life in general... I feel like no matter what you look, whatever obstacles in front of you, whatever you look at, if it, it will always break before you do if you never give up. And I take it, it doesn't have to be a person, right? If it's a person, the person in front of you can break before you like Rocky and Apollo Creed. The team in front of you, like the Denver Heat, I mean the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat, the team can break in front of you. But when you look at any obstacle, it could be a business, it could be a fucking wall. Let's say I'm punching the wall, right? As long as I keep punching... If that wall breaks before I do, if I keep punching, that wall will break before I do. You know, my hand might be broken, but if the wall breaks before I do, I win. So 
like anything, if your job is to make it through a wall, through a ceiling, to anything, I think you just got to fucking somehow make it happen. Yeah, I agree 110% because it, it's, it goes back to like David Goggins where it's like, yo, you got to, who's going to carry the boats, right? Yeah. And you're just sitting there like, man, you know, I won't allow myself to break no matter what. Yeah. I got a goal. I'm going to chase after that goal. I had something that I told, and it's like, you don't want to break a promise to yourself because you, only one person ever hears the 100% of the lies you ever tell, and that's yourself. So with that being the case, if you tell yourself, hey, I'm going to accomplish this, I'm going to make this happen, you owe it to yourself to go and make it happen. Fact. Even if you fall short, you don't go to sleep knowing you didn't give 100%. Because if you win the day, win many days, you can now win the week. You win many weeks, you can win the month, you win many months, you can win the year, you win many years, you win at life. So that's the best way to go about life. Fire. Love it. You got to send this out. You got to do the outro. Yeah. But uh, this has been the assiduous <laughs> podcast with the diligent, vigilant, meticulous, sagacious, conscientious, analytical, methodical, individual, the chisel, the donuts. This is the serial entrepreneur, the Filipino prince tycoon, <laughs> Renee Lacard. And we are, this is assiduous. Woohoo!